0: Man everybody's fucking messaging me. About what? Um Well Well okay, so so last night I get uh and this isn't for the podcast. We are rolling. Shit, maybe I should you know what? We'll talk about okay. it later. Okay. Okay. Yeah. That's that's stuff that involves
1: people. That
0: all right. Probably don't want that. Yeah.
1: Probably don't want that on the on the internet. Yeah. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, welcome down to another edition of Dive Bar Mitzvah. Hey, it is me, your pal Ian. Thanks for tuning in today. If you tune in, I guess you don't tune in. That sounded stupid. Boy, I, I started this badly. I'm off today. Uh, I apologize for that. Uh, but. Seriously, everybody, uh, a lot of people have been listening, and that is kick-ass. As always, please, uh, you know, like it on uh, Facebook, uh, like it on iTunes, comment, and uh, share it all over, because our numbers have been great, and that's pretty much all the payment I get. But it's been going really, really well, and I'd like to thank all of you for listening. And I'd like to thank our friends at FGC Creative that just uh, created DiveBarMitzvah.com. It looks a lot more professional than this ramshackle operation deserves, but please check it out. DiveBarMitzvah.com. Yes. That name again, DiveBarMitzvah.com. Now, I am off today, uh, and we all are off today. It's not a, a great time here in Minneapolis. It's the 21st of April we're recording this. Oh, and by the way, we're at the Yacht Club, the Northeast Yacht Club in fashionable Northeast Minneapolis been here for a long time i've done no research on it all i know is that they used to have a second floor and now it's gone because you can see where the uh stairway used to be now it is no longer there and tonight as in a rare move i actually informed the bartender i was going to be recording as opposed to just setting up a bunch of gear and then having them glare oh, at just us all making night making them wonder if yeah, they what the, yeah exactly is that a bomb no it's not but anyway it's been a hard day here in minneapolis uh i mean there haven't been i googled Dark days in Minneapolis, just to set me up for this uh, for this introduction I'm doing. And I, I, I couldn't find it, because I think we live in a pretty happy-go-lucky town. But I mean, you know, what do we have? We have like the, the death of Hubert H. Humphrey, uh, the Lakers leaving town, and then, of course, our beloved North Stars leaving town. And today, sadly, the 21st of April is a day that will be mentioned along with them. Uh, against all odds, we have been losing musical titans right and left this year, and Prince, Rogers Nelson... Golden Child of Minneapolis died today, which is horrible, horrible news. No matter how you slice it, I and I, I almost called off today's recording. So I was just like, ah, fuck, I'm just gonna be all monotone. And the whole reason, you know, I mean, I did this podcast in the first place. It's gonna be fun. I'll be hanging out at bars with friends. We'll share yucks. It'll be good. And then especially today, because I got Patrick here, and it'll be fun. I thought to myself, ah, it'll be great. And then, of course, Prince dies, and I'm like, well, fuck. Now I'm just like, what do I do? So I decided, screw it, we're going to do it anyway. We're going to uh, do it. Yeah, I mean, and I've never, I, I, I never really had a, a Prince story. Like, I never met him, I never hung out with him, so I feel especially rooked by this, because, you know, I always kind of assumed at some point maybe he'd see happened. one of the dumb things that I do and go, you know what, I always do weird things, you know, uh, and this Ian guy seems to be doing weird things, too. Maybe we'll blow some minds together. The chance, there's never a chance in hell of this happening. Um, and I wasn't even a big Prince fan when I moved here. I'll be honest with you. Like I, when I moved here in the mid-'90s, it was kind of the nadir of Prince's career in many ways. And I moved here thinking all these Minneapolis are uh, just drinking the Kool-Aid. Like, this is the last town on Earth that gave a damn about Prince. And I kept this line of thought up for years, probably losing me dozens of friends, because I just was like, who cares about this symbol shit? But, of course... Prince was my water. It uh, was the water to my Grand Canyon, and slowly, he carved <laughs> away. Uh, and I, and now I'm a Prince fan. And now I'm way open to this this devastating news, which sticks. I don't know. It's uh, it's crappy. It's it's horribly fresh. All of the, you know, there's a, a big memorial happening outside First Avenue tonight. All of the buildings in town that they can, the ones that can change color, have changed color to purple. And I don't know. I mean, it's, it's rough. I didn't think this was going to happen. Even when I was driving around today, I saw buildings. And as weird as it sounds like, I never thought, you know, like, this building would be here in a post-Prince environment. It's it's a weird, it a weird thing. thing. I didn't know I, yeah. it was possible. I didn't think so either. But I also uh, felt the same when David Bowie died. I yeah. was like, he can't die. I know, right? Like, this isn't, this isn't fair. But anyway, our guest tonight, the, the one who I was leading on for merriment before the world went to shit, um, our guest today is Patrick Sussmilch. Thank you for being here, Patrick.
0: Thank you for having me.
1: Uh, and were you a, a Prince fan as a kid? I mean, how did you grow up with this? Are you from around here? I'm from here.
0: I'm from White Bear Lake. Yeah. Honestly, it took me... It took me a long time to get into Prince. I didn't like him for a long time. Yeah. I don't know why, out of spite. I had a lot of friends in high school. They loved Prince mm-hmm. so much. And I don't know if it was just to be like Alta I was like, no.
1: Yeah. I don't like him because he's popular. Yeah, and I kind of had that too, especially around here, because it did just seem like the dominant personality trait is you had to like Prince a little too much. But then...
0: When I started really warming up to him, like, when he played the Super Bowl and he just, like, jerked yeah. that guitar off in the rain
1: in front of <laughs> millions of people, I was like, all right. You know, okay." before that, I was on the fence. But now, yeah, I'm, I'm way like, in. Like, he
0: did it and everyone was like, we're okay with this. Yeah.
1: <laughs> it made it all right to jack <laughs> off an instrument in public. And
0: I think the world needed that after that, you know, quote-unquote wardrobe malfunction. Yeah. I don't know if we were
1: ready for sensuality at the super bowl and prince made it happen. (laughs) he made it okay he he gave us all a green light on doing it and i was watching that footage today uh, him doing the halftime show and you know there's the part where the fabric comes up and there's like the big silhouette but it was raining during this so there's like there's like wet spots i never noticed this before but there's a perfect dick outline (laughs) in the water like seriously on the right hand of the screen you watch this just the water happened to go on in a way it looks like a big penis as if everything didn't already were you, uh, okay, growing up in White Bear, were you, were you a funny kid? Me, funny kid?
0: Uh, God. <sighs> so, not really. It wasn't until like middle school that I kind of, I don't know if it was because of a lot of an emotional trauma growing up from my mom or whatever. I was a very like, I don't know, monotone person. And for whatever reason, in middle school, I started saying things and in the monotone, people started laughing.
1: So your, your monotone became a deadpan delivery style yeah, by accident.
0: By accident. And, and I liked that. So now it came to a point where like every time there's like a, like a presentation. Can I swear on this? Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah Every time it's like a fucking presentation or something. <laughs> was, I, just made it, I just made it funny. I yeah, was like, yeah. you know what? Maybe this is about genocide, but maybe we can't throw a
1: few lulls in there. Yeah, 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 yeah. A few LOLs. And so, and you started crafting. So, in your in your speech patterns, you started crafting material that would sound good coming out of your mouth as a, as as a, as a young kid. I suppose yes. That's amazing. Did you think that was weird at the time? Did, I mean, are you an only child. Do you have siblings?
0: I had a brother. I have a brother that's uh-huh. about four years older than me. Okay. so he was kind of he's kind of. What, kinda what not, did he think he about? He wasn't this? really around. Oh, okay, we had. Boy, my family life was messed up. Okay. All so. right. <laughs>
1: note to self don't ask any follow up questions at fuck it all alright
0: yeah <laughs> I don't, I don't I mean, I'm over it but people yeah. listening might be like <laughs> might be fresh to much. them because they yeah. don't know about it yeah once everyone rolls off of each other from fucking because that's what Prince would have wanted exactly
1: like, yeah for I assume at least a week yeah a poised Prince coitus yeah yeah but so you're so. did you think you were the weird kid for, you know, working on? I mean, because this is basically material work you're doing at this point. I, I, at like 11, 12 years I old. I
0: wasn't, yeah, I mean, it wasn't so deliberate that I was like sitting down with like a notebook writing shit out. Yeah, but yeah. I, get, I, I don't know, it just was like, yeah, here's some, I don't know, just kind of started aiming for the funniness. You know, like writing papers was funny. I remember in ninth grade I wrote. I wrote something about some Greek gods but I styled it as an episode of Seinfeld and like All right which my English teacher loved. Really? So yeah yeah, yeah. okay so, so you're working to the audience
1: cuz you know all right maybe Seinfeld. Yeah. All right. So but like what's happening might not play, you know, was white it, bear like it was yeah, Seinfeld though Seinfeld. right down the middle. Everybody yeah. loves Seinfeld. Yeah. I love. It. And it is as a is it, uh, when you were, you know, 11 12 years old in junior high did you think about A life in comedy, or is this just you know a way not to get beaten up? Because that was mostly what it was for me.
0: I never i was a I was a big kid, so really okay, all right. I was never in any sort of no one ever. I was never threatened with getting beat up. I was just not spoken to. So it was like a it was more like a way to like actually interact with other human beings. Um, I don't know. Stand-up wasn't on my radar in high school and stuff. Like, what I wanted to do was I wanted to write for television. Really? Okay. That was my big goal. And part of how I got into stand-up was that I learned, like, a lot of people that write for television, oh, they started doing stand-up or whatever. Or, like, I also really wanted to be a voiceover actor for cartoons and... A lot of, a lot of them. This uh, one in particular, John DiMaggio, John DiMaggio, yeah, who yeah. did like Bender and stuff. Of course, yeah, he started in, like radio and stand up. So I was like, maybe I should get into this
1: stand up. And you business. thought this in high school. You're already towards, career, you're towards, career-minded like, yeah, like, yeah, your junior like the year. End. You're like, I don't even need well, to like, show up my senior year because I you know, got this shit locked down. Yeah, cause
0: it's, uh, embarrassingly enough, I was really into this cartoon show senior year called Kim Possible on the Disney channel. I, I,
1: I, 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 most of the time when people admit a guilty pleasure, I go, fuck you too. That is not the case right now, Pat <laughs> That is totally understandable.
0: <laughs> to the point that I don't know how it happened. I was on some forums on the internet. There was this guy. He was like, he was talking <laughs> about, you know, how he was uh, the director of a lot of the episodes.
1: Really? Okay. All right.
0: No one believed him, but me, being either like trusting or naive or like intuitive, and, was and like, internet,
1: internet forums, you know, for underage kids. This was in like 2003, kids. 2004. Yeah, that's, that's usually, you know, yeah, I direct a perfectly, kids show. Perfectly. Yeah.
0: Per- perfectly fine. Yeah. Sent him like a private message, and he's like, "Yeah, I am." And I was like, "Dude, can you send me like..." A script, like yeah, an yeah, autographed yeah. script and plot Bible. And he's like, yeah, I can make that happen. And I actually got him. It's really? So he's it's, it's, it's
1: real? So this pedophile really did his work. Did you try to yeah. win your... Yeah, this, this pedophile had, <laughs> he he had really, memorabilia. He was working this angle really well. Like, well, oh, yeah. I got to back up the story. I said I worked for Kim Possible. He oh, what am a a I going to do? He a very
0: narrow net, <laughs>
1: <laughs> and it worked. Yeah, I mean, really, you could, you know, I mean, you could, like, take on the approach of trying to, you know, hit the side of a bard or you go for just that one kiss, just, just specifically, Kim Possible like fans. <laughs> so, it worked. Okay, and... Still, side, still have it. Why was it, what was it about Kim Possible? As, and explain it to me. Imagine that I know nothing about the show Kim Possible, and maybe just was reminded that it existed some point in the last two minutes. I think I can pretend that.
0: Uh, <laughs> I don't the first season was, like, funny. It was, like, a lot of times it was a very smart parody of, like, James Bond. It was very, it was, it was fun. It was, like, a good, clean art style. Because I also did a lot of cartoon. I, like, made Flash cartoons when I was in high school, too. So, like, I was drawn to the art style. It had John DiMaggio in it, who was a, yeah. a fantastic voice actor. It was just, it also, it, has the, it had the lady that plays Bart,
1: Oh, uh, uh, uh... uh, Nancy? Nancy Cartwright. Yeah.
0: She, uh... She just made these squeaking sounds for a
1: naked mole rat.
0: It was just... First season, really well done. Then they kept making the show, and it went really horribly downhill. Did you tell
1: this gentleman this in in a private message on the internet? I should have. Yeah, I should (laughs) have. Thank you for the plot, Bible. By the way.
0: By the way. Really going downhill. (laughs) What the hell? Well, what happened is that their uh, story... Super... I don't forget what the term is, but the guy that was, like, in charge of, like the like runner the below, yeah, yeah like okay. he died so like the p- executive producers were still around but like i think it lost a lot of the the magic of this
1: that made kim possible a, yeah, a favorite made, in your that heart that made
0: kim possible a favorite in my heart god
1: so <laughs> Never forget so you are in high school a big kid nobody's yeah. fucking with you and you're into cartoons specifically kim possible yeah. this is the most unlikely story i think i've ever heard about growing up <laughs> is it well you know within reason
0: the, I started, I started getting pretty good at like being in front of crowds. How? Like, were you doing speech and stuff? Not even in like speech, but just like giving presentations in classes and stuff. I was just good at it. I did a lot of work at like the the um, public access station. Oh so great! Just okay. kind of, just kind of getting into it, and then the real reason I did, I joined student council senior year of high school. The real reason is because there was this girl I had a huge crush on. The real reason that yeah, the real, which is probably the real reason most. Most boys do anything yeah, in high school. Yeah, any sort of crush, you know. Mm. And um, so she was, she was the president, and I was like, "Well, fuck it, I'm gonna get on this council." So like, <laughs> I, I, I ran. Didn't the posters I put up were just written on notebook paper because I was just like, "Fuck you, yeah, establishment, exactly." But still like me, you yeah, know? exactly. And uh, you
1: owned the aesthetic. You had, yeah. it uh, yeah, okay. Gave
0: a rousing speech to the junior class. The, the speech was literally just. I think the student council needs more me.
1: <laughs> <laughs> one thing I've noticed in the years of coming to the school student council, <laughs> severely deficient in one thing, Patrick Sussmelch. Yeah.
0: It just gave, it just gave this speech and it worked. I won by like an overwhelming Do like you remember what your are uh, what, what the people don't running don't,
1: against you, what their speeches were like? So I can't um, imagine they yeah, I mean it's probably after, pretty dry After stuff.
0: I gave my speech one per, one woman, girl, I saying woman because that's a but girl. Yeah, yeah. was um she like like crumpled her paper up. She's like, "Fucking vote for Pat," and I was like, "Hell yeah!" <laughs> <And>
1: like, <laughs> the delegates have already come over to your side. Yeah,
0: I got the super delegates. Yeah.
1: So you're primed for this. You're, there's no way that you were going to come out of this doing comedies. That was the, did this did this look like that to you, or is it just serendipity look, that just looking like,
0: back, it seems pretty like a pretty obvious path. Yeah. I wish I would have been more. I wish I would stand up back then wasn't nearly as like what it was what it is now. Mm-hmm. Like, and what do you mean by that? Well, like stand up was just getting into a, if the second golden age like this was I think right at or right before like Mitch Hedberg died and mm-hmm. like just like it was really starting to get mainstream popular again but I hadn't really known about it about stand up until mm-hmm. college and like now it's like stand up is everywhere like everybody yeah, knows stand up like with all the social media you can follow all your favorite stand ups and I kind of sometimes I kind of regret that because it, now it seems like for younger people there's like more like a set career path there's like okay like people know like uh there's a woman in town just got this like job working at conan from from college you know working as like a researcher yeah and yeah. like that wasn't like i'm sure it was an option when i was going to school but it wasn't so widely known okay. and I, I, I wish i would have known because i could have started i started when i was 20 but i could have started like a couple of years sooner and really, <laughs> it really held you back there and yeah, yeah. really it really held me back
1: um, and so, but you—you you, and you went to college, and you have a degree in comparative literature.
0: No, I, I dropped out. Oh, you never got—you went never, for I it. I never finished it. I originally went to school for—I um, went for journalism because I wanted to write for TV, and my parents or my dad was like, "Well, you can't go to school for that. Yeah. What about like journalism? Because mm-hmm. why not?" Yeah. And yeah, then yeah. I went and I took these classes, and the journalism professors—this is like 2005—they were like, "We don't know."
1: if journalism is going to exist
0: by the time you <laughs> <laughs> graduate. Yeah. You know what, actually,
1: do you have any connections in the TV writing industry? Because I would love to talk to them. Cause,
0: yeah, because it was a really weird, it still is a weird time, but it was like the stupid CNN eye reporters. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, it was just, people are like, we don't know, blogs were huge. We, were like, we don't know if yeah. people want to pay for news or if we're just going to trust some rando on the internet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think I probably made the right choice. It's like, oh, I could work for some... Mag, some news magazine. You could be like the,
1: one of the last people working at a, at a newspaper yeah. or yeah. I could
0: write like 40 blogs a day and make like 15,000 a year.
1: Yeah. Um, now, but this actually has worked out well for you because uh, you have a new CD. Uh, is it out yet? It is out. Okay. And it's called? It is called Validate Me. Which is a naked, the most naked of, yeah. of, of album titles you could have as a comedian. One of the other options was Industry Heat. But <laughs> Well, you got another. I'm sure you. Yeah. There's another right, album that's in you. The album, I'll call "Industry Heat." <laughs> you heard it here first, um, and you didn't limit that uh, to the album title. You also many of the track titles.
0: All pretty much all the track titles have silly names that I don't even remember what the tracks are anymore. Yeah, like "Tell Me I'm Pretty." I yeah. think
1: was one. I uh, actually kind of
0: wanted the album to be called "Tell Me I'm Pretty," but some band came out with an album titled "Tell Me I'm yeah. Pretty," and I was like, "Fuck you, whoever." Uh, the artwork is made by these guys uh, in Australia called We Buy Your Kids, mm-hmm. very talented. Uh, the first couple concepts they sent were, like, they were, like, trying to be funny, and I appreciate the effort, but it, cause it wasn't really coming through, so I sent them, like, this page-long thing, and I boiled it down at the end to just be like, just make it as pretentious as possible, and they sent me what's now the current artwork.
1: And it is, you know, pretty pretentious. It is very pretentious. Yeah, it, it's, and, I mean, still, you know, still appealing. You don't walk past it and go, who the fuck is that, but yeah. you, you go... Jesus. Wow. OK. Yeah. And
0: uh, so then I was like, I should just lean into this to make the track title stupid <laughs> and pretentious, too,
1: because it's your it's your introduction to the world. You know, you really want to be as appealing as possible yeah. and <laughs> and then to then have then the most pretentious <laughs> art- artwork and all the track titles eh, are going to sound like cries for help because they literally are cries for help.
0: Basically, most stand up art is just cries yeah. for help. Yeah.
1: And like, I like I felt like a little inspired
0: by uh, by Kyle Kinane because like his first two albums, they're all just song titles yeah. Other songs and yeah songs
1: yeah like, uh, like, like i remember one was all like from all cheap trick yeah 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 yeah,
0: and then i uh, i think he had to he had to stop because whoever was in charge was like you, we're gonna get in trouble yeah, <laughs> this too, has got to be against too, some law you're too popular yeah.
1: now <laughs> um and how long were you working on the album I mean when did you so let's when did you graduate high school uh, 2005. And, but you were held back due to the circumstances until 2007. Those two years because yeah. industry wasn't so, where it, well the industry wasn't ready for you yet. I just,
0: yeah, you know it just wasn't
1: it just wasn't what it was.
0: I feel like if Twitter was a thing when I was in high school, I would have crushed that shit. Yeah,
1: uh, but so here we are, nine years later. You got an album out, still complaining about the bad lot in life you got because That's of terrible. timing. I know you really started kids, at 20. And I was <laughs> like, look at this. Who's this old man? Yeah, yeah. And so you got this album out now. Um, and when did you start getting good? In your estimation, when did you start when taking this? When did I this? start getting When did you start good? taking this seriously? When did you start actually believing? I mean, because you seem confident. Did you always believe you could do this?
0: Um, the first three years, I was just for fun. I would show up, maybe a couple open mics a month. Mm-hmm. I would go to Acme every Monday and sign yeah. up. You know, maybe the whole three years, I signed up. I would got I got on maybe like ten times mm-hmm. altogether. Um, But it wasn't until in 2010 when I got hired at Acme that I was like, oh shit, you can actually do this. Like that first time I actually got paid, I was like, you can actually get paid to yeah. do this yeah. and not at like some weirdo bar. Because I had done a few weirdo bar gigs. Where it's as, like, as I assume we all do. It was like, here's 10 bucks. Can you do an hour? Like, you know, <laughs> sure. I've been doing comedy like four months. I, <laughs> I got an hour.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: And, yeah. And at that point is when I really started taking it a lot more seriously and how I when I would say I actually got like like to the point where I had like 15 minutes that I felt like was good was maybe like 2012
1: okay so and the, most of the material on the album's been crafted in the handful of years since then because that's pretty good I mean like there are other comedians who you know don't do their first album until years in and then it's just kind of them cleaning out the claws that all this stuff has to be pretty fresh for you uh, yeah,
0: it was all pretty fresh. Like none of it, none of it was stuff that I had been doing for years. Mm-hmm. Maybe like two years at yeah. the most.
1: Uh, Wendy, so? Are you already eyeing the next one, or are you still? I,
0: I have been. I've I, I went just the other day. I went through my notebook, looked at all the stuff, counted about twenty eight tiles of jokes that I've written since the album. That would probably equal about fifty minutes. Mm-hmm. And so I, I feel like if I ever get a chance to like headline Acme. Because that's such a great club to record at. Is that, where you, is that where you recorded this one? Yeah, that's yeah. where I recorded this one. But, so I feel like whenever the next time I get that, I would like to record, see if there's an album there.
1: Yeah, and, and you mentioned that this is a bit of a golden period for comedy. Uh, how much of that do you think is industry-wide, and how much of that do you think is right here in Minneapolis?
0: Right here, right here in Minneapolis, for me, has always been really good. I'll admit, when I first started, it seemed like the, the comedy scene was a lot more negative, and and I don't know if maybe that's just like more, more
1: backbitey or the style of comedy was more, negative. more like
0: more like you know like more like backbitey okay. and stuff. Like,
1: I'm not going to name names, but there was like one guy <laughs> because that, that like, would be backbiting. And like, yeah, we've gone so far. I mean, but you one, know who really fucking sucks? Let me tell you. Yeah,
0: there was like one guy. He, like years later, he's like, you know what? I just decided I was going to try and not talk to you for as long as possible. <laughs> that sounds
1: like, entirely in line with a lot of comedians I've known <laughs> here.
0: <laughs> and it, I feel like it's different now. It seems a little more supportive. Like it's still. It's always, any weird art is always going to be clicky, but yeah. it seems
1: like a little more
0: professional, I don't want to say professional, it's, I don't know, it seems more like,
1: like we get it, mm-hmm. it's like, we all got goals. Yeah. We're but f- wait, you know, not talking to somebody for as long as possible, is it its goal kind of in itself? It is. It it's is. a really shitty and one.
0: like, honestly, like, you know, he he made it a, a decent amount of time, <laughs> I assume, I don't know. I was also a dick when I started, so it worked out. Were you? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Cocky, arrogant, what?
0: Not a dick. Just didn't didn't understand some of the some of the rules of the stage. Like, get up on stage quickly when your name is called. <laughs> don't, or, don't lollygag by the bar. Yeah. Well, like, oh, you know, for me, it's like funny to like slowly meander up to the stage, mm-hmm. and now as a as a more mature comedian, I'm like, oh yeah, that's just kind of that's too dickish.
1: What else? What are the dickish things you do?
0: Um, I would bring friends to shows, and they were like drunk assholes. That would to everybody
1: other than you. Yeah, yeah, love that one. That's a classic. Yeah,
0: that's a that's a classic. The thing is, though, is that if it weren't for them, there'd just have been nobody in the oh, show. Okay, well,
1: that's all right then. Yeah, all right, well, unless you're one of the other comics, I guess. Yeah,
0: but yeah. they, yeah, they're still, uh, yeah. So you know, wearing shorts on stage. Oh, I did that a few times. Really? Oh boy,
1: you got videos of it.
0: I don't know. I've got pictures. Uh-huh. If it wasn't going to be time consuming, I'd bring them up. There's some on Alvin Irby's wall. And well, I was like 40 to 50 pounds heavier, too. So really? Was, okay. And glasses. Yeah. That's, and long hair.
1: That's right. Yeah, I can see this now. Jeez. Um, now, one thing I've noticed uh, in your comedy uh, is that you've broken uh, through a taboo that I don't believe many people have in today's comedy climate. Uh, a lot of people, I think, would be scared to do something like this. Talking about Tootsie Roll? You fucker. Don't step on my goddamn <laughs> segue. <laughs> yeah, but, I mean, jock jams, by and large, largely ignored by the by almost, the most comedy Exclusively comedies. ignored. Yeah, well, I mean, and for a good reason, you know. Like, I mean, you know, I mean, you, you, it's rare when you see, like, a Chad Daniels, like, throwing a whoop, there it is kind of thing. <laughs> you know, hot in here. Uh, uh, but, yeah, you went back. I mean, and the thing, yeah, I mean, so, how, so you took over, you made your own. Tootsie Roll by the '69 Boys. Yeah. How did that start? Because you are you're too young to have had to really live through it, aren't you? Or do you remember this from childhood?
0: Well, I was born in '86. Mm-hmm. You know, Jock Jams was a '90s thing, so like yeah. I was, I was there. I wasn't at the club. Yeah, you were. To, you were in Atlanta, throwing, <laughs> making it rain. Yeah. Yeah, but like, I was aware of Jock Jams, and on student council, I was frequently <laughs> in charge of dances. Yeah. All right. And uh, some of my favorite dances to play are the ones where the uh, singer slash yeller just um, just tell you what to do. Mm-hmm. You know, like the Casper slide or mm-hmm. like, you know, Tootsie Roll, where there's like to the left, to the left, you know, just, you know, just things like that. Yeah. So I would always be like, yo, play Tootsie Roll.
1: Because it's, it, it's a command. It tells the audience what to do as opposed to standing yeah. there. Okay.
0: And it's just stupid. The music video, stupid. It's, Horrible. Yeah. It's just amazing. It's just amazing stuff. And how the joke came about is that I was doing this show at Honey. uh, That's in the Northeast, right? Yeah, I think it's technically Northeast. Technically technically Northeast. And opening for a rap group whose name I don't remember. Uh, And I was up on stage. um, And in case you couldn't guess, very urban audience. Mm -hmm. And there was a DJ behind me. And for whatever reason, I was like, yo, you got Tootsie Roll on there. And then I just started yelling about Tootsie Roll. Did, did,
1: did the DJ, in fact, have Tootsie Roll? Oh, yeah. Okay, so I was wondering he, if you had to do this all by yourself. He like,
0: his name was DJ Trilogy, and he had this, like, thing where he'd hit a button and just be like, DJ Trilogy, Trilogy, <laughs> Trilogy. <laughs> like, it plays t- it three times. That's good. Yeah. yeah. Yo, DJ Trilogy, you got Tootsie Roll? And he just, like, nodded and, like, just played it.
1: So, and then, of course, this made you enrapturous at, at Tootsie Roll.
0: Uh, yeah, it was. I, uh, they loved me at Honey, and I, I thought. <laughs> well, yeah. whats
1: you got that over there? Yeah, yeah. really, it's and something and to take, and and something th- to put and in your pocket. For a,
0: for a while, I was like, "Well, that's obviously only a one-time thing that's gonna happen." But yeah. Then I tried it at an open mic. Uh, and I was. Uh, they loved it, and I was like, "Is this gonna be? Is this my new bit? Is this my new hot bit?"
1: <laughs> it, it, yes. And it was. It was. now, what are you eyeing next? For this hot bit, you, because have you already done Jock Jams? Is there more in the Jock Jams saying for you? Because I mean, remember like Chuggy Chubby Chapper, Chuggy Chuggy Checker, uh, <laughs> remember Chubby Checker? He, you know, he had the twist, of course, but then it was like let's twist a gun you know. Yeah. And oh yeah, twist like, in '74. Or like
0: the guy that did the Monster Mash, exactly. So there's monster to, Mash, and then there's like Holiday, Monsters Holiday, yeah. And then there was the Monster Rap in the '80s, mm-hmm. which if you haven't heard, boy, yeah. Boy, can you can you just feel his need for a paycheck?
1: Yeah. Oh, Boris Bobby Pinkett, whatever his pocket? Yes. Yeah, whatever. Pick, pick, but, I mean, so, yeah, are you worried that you might get trapped into this jock jams comedy role? Like, I mean, every album has to have something on it that refers to something that, you know, albums from the, or song, singles from the American South between the years 1992 to 1995. Because, honestly, if you do, Ride the Train by the Quad City DJs, one of the best songs ever recorded. <laughs> yeah. I used to, uh, for a while, people were getting into
0: arguments with me about who did Tootsie Roll, and I was like, it's the 69 boys. And they were like, no, it's Quad City DJs. And I was like, no, it's the, 60, it's the 69 boys. So I eventually had to incorporate that into the joke. Yeah. Um, I think what's going to happen on the next album is I already got like another hot, hot bit that involves me talking about Windows 95. A step uh, forward, yeah. And, you uh, know, and I was like, "Is this who I am? Am I?" was like '94, right? Yeah, '94. So, so, moving so to 95. Like, I moved up. I moved, okay. up. Yeah, I yeah, moved yeah. up. It's um, so I think that's just gonna be who I am. Mm-hmm. I'm just gonna be the guy. The album after that's '96. That's an inspiration right there.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And um, right there, you got a trilogy. And then you know who you call? DJ Trilogy. 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 Uh, and we're and, and so working at Honey. That's a non-traditional comedy venue. Um, do you do you find yourself doing getting out of comedy clubs much? Like, do you tour? or What do you do? You know, I wish I toured. Like, the
0: furthest I've gone at a club is going to Milwaukee at the uh, Comedy Cafe, which is um, it's a good it's a good club. Mm-hmm. But when I was there last time, God, I was featuring in like the for Rondell Sherid- Sheridan. Rondell, I think that's his name. Oh he, yeah, 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 yeah. He yeah, played he played the dad in That's So Raven. Mm-hmm. Another Disney Channel show that played alongside Kim Possible. Of course, as it would. (laughs) And, uh, God, the audience is like, I would say hated me, but it was worse. They were just indifferent to my presence. And Luckily, the owner liked me, and he's like, you should come back and headline. So I'm going to headline. But other than that, I go to L.A. every couple months. I do, like, Meltdown and Put Your Hands Together. Yeah,
1: no, it it seems like there's always going to be the the brain suck of, you know, losing people to an L.A. or a New York. And, I mean, it makes perfect sense. And how are they treating you out there? When I go do those shows, it's great.
0: Uh, I was staying out there for a couple months right after I was on Last Comic Standing just to... I decided I was like, I'm going to take my profits from Last Comic Standing and, like, push for comedy. So I just chilled out in L.A. and made some connections and... They seem, to, they seem to like me. They like me in L.A. a lot more than they like me in New York. When I mm-hmm. go to New York, they're like, who's this asshole not yelling about things make them angry? Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm sitting there talking about, like, here's things that I love. And they're like, fuck you. That's <laughs> stupid. The subway's <laughs> dumb. And then, <laughs>
1: so. Yeah, and you were on, uh, what, season eight of Lost Comics? Yeah. And how did that, how'd that experience go for you? You had winnings, which is pretty rad. <laughs> it wasn't winnings. It was just sweet getting paid because exactly. of the SAG union. Screen yeah.
0: Actors Guild it was which was fucking dope. Like, I would think so. That, getting that kind of money is like, of course, unions are important to America. <laughs> yeah. but uh, it was it was a good experience. I liked it. Very stressful while it was happening. I would
1: imagine so. But was it ultimately worth it to you? Because I mean, that seems like just something you just, just it was ultimately horrible to go through. Cause, I mean, just especially somebody who you know hasn't been been doing it forever. You know, and then you have yeah, all I this was, stress on your back. Like, well, I was one suck. of the
0: as, youngest people there. At least in my taping group, everyone else was like Jimmy Schubert and stuff, who yeah. have been doing it forever. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, here's me, I hope you like catheter jokes, <laughs> uh, which they didn't. Yeah. The audience did, Keenan Ivory Wayne's didn't. Yeah. I make fun of them on the album, you should listen to it. Uh, plug. What was the question? Oh, yeah, the experience. It was good. Um, I like it, it was good for my career very bad for me emotionally.
1: Yeah, and I guess I was kind of hinting at that like cuz it would just be as much as we aim for something, you know, uh, the steps getting there sometimes, especially, you know, something like this it just be a, a nightmare of stress.
0: Yeah. And this was the first time it had been back since it's hiatus and mm-hmm. like it was a lot more gimmicky back in the day. So like there's this worry, that, like are Wait, they going to so make it us so used to be it used to have to be in a house. Yeah, like you are like, they going to make us live in a fucking house? So yeah. like are they going to put us on a boat? Are they going to do weird shit to us? Yeah. And and, stick your hand
1: in an and aquarium they full of a tarantulas.
0: And, yeah, and they didn't, for the most part, I think towards the finals, they started like, and now you're giving a tour at Universal Studios, but... Yeah. Which they just finally cut out in the ninth season, like, alright, just stand up. Bro. Yeah. So it was weird, like, getting there is like, didn't expect it to happen. I was doing a show with Wendy Liebman. I came into the green room one day, and she's like, hey, you want to be on Last Comic Standing? And I... This was, I didn't know it was going to a show was coming back, so I was like, fucking no. And then she's <laughs> like, oh no, Paige Hurwitz is bringing it back. And then she asked me for names, and I was like, oh yeah, you should. <laughs> yeah, yeah, oh, well, wait a second. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah you, should, you, should put my, you should put my name on it. Don't there. tell him I said that. <laughs> 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 and, uh, and I was like, that'll probably never happen, because that's how stand up is. You're yeah. like, oh, this here's a cool thing that could happen, and then it never does. Get your hopes up. Yeah, and then you just learn to not get your hopes yeah. up anymore. Yeah. So it's just sadness after a certain point. Um. And like got emails like, yo, you want to audition? And I was like, Yeah, and like, cool, we're flying you out to LA. And then I go and audition at the John Lovitz Comedy Club.
1: <laughs> because when you think about comedy in Los Angeles, four, John, wor- four words come to mind. John Lovitz
0: Comedy Club. It's because it's in the Universal City Walk, which NBC yeah, everybody else, owns. Yeah, everybody so owns they're everything. like it's free if we do it there.
1: Yeah. So. And and it's advertise it's an advertisement for one of their properties essentially. yeah. So, yeah. Well I mean
0: wasn't it wasn't taped. So I just I go it's running way late. Like, they originally had a paid audience. Because that's a, that's that's, a that's, career you can have in L.A. as a paid audience And, they, and
1: as a comedian, that's what exactly the faces you want to see. You know what? They're there to laugh. Yeah. <laughs> All I know is I'm getting paid to be here and something about comedy. And so i got to
0: pretend to love whatever's happening. Yep. But the audition ran way late. So they're like, so the audience had to leave. So it's just the studio executives. And I'm like, great. So I, uh, yeah. so I go up. To a stage that's like 20 feet above all the audience members, like studio execs. So it's all just people with notepads, just kind of staring at you. Mm-hmm. Well lit. I do the jokes, and they're like, "Yeah, okay." And I was like, "Great." And then like, fly home weeks later. Like, yo, we want you. You come, come back. Who? And, yeah. And they, you fill out this like 60 page waiver slash contract. And after
1: after you're done with L.A. the first time, I assume you're like, well, if nothing else, it was a nice vacation. You know, It was cool. It was, cool. To it was in
0: February of like, must have been 2000, must have been 2013 mm-hmm. or 14, whatever. Yeah, I think yeah. it was 14. Whatever. And it's February. I went there and I was like, well, everything's not dead. What? Yeah. And I made it a point to hug a palm tree. Had you been there before? No, I never. I uh,
1: remember the first time I was in L.A., I nearly wet myself i'm like holy shit that's a palm that's yeah. a real palm tree right. like, but, and, and you, the person i was with was just like y- i don't believe that i flew you out here to have sex with you well, this is stupid and i'm like no it's a fucking palm tree lady look it's a goddamn palm tree she's like they're everywhere fuck off <laughs> right, yeah yeah because
0: you know you take off piles of snow everywhere at msp you land in lax There's palm trees and shit anyway so yeah and then they're like well we want you back so you go back it's this big long ordeal you stay in this dope ass hotel I, I had this thing overlooking Universal Studios right at the Waterworld exhibit, which, if you don't know, for some reason they decided, let's make an exhibit based on the biggest box office yeah. flop of our generation.
1: <laughs> I think to actually get the space for Waterworld, they had, yeah. to, they had to tear down the Ishtar <laughs> ride that they had there previously.
0: And there's this, this big, it's this big live-action show that I can just watch. There's like people, stuntmen on fire, it's like a fake plane that crashes and explodes, and I'm just and you get to see it. this every 15 and minutes just, or whatever. Yeah, and I'm yeah. just watching this in my underwear with like this snifter of brandy that like <laughs> Tim Harmston had bought me, and I'm just like, is this what it feels like to be a warlord? And then, I hope so. Yeah, and which is an anecdote that that's the end of
1: it. Um, but you said it was emotionally rough on you. So far, it sounds like nothing but awesome. Other than the well, fact, well, apparently the producers write you back and go, "Yo, we want you back," which didn't, which isn't, which wasn't no, the yeah, patois w- I was Wanda expecting. Wanda Sykes
0: was like, "Yo, we want." No, it was. Um, I mean, it was super stressful because there's a sixty-page contract that's like, if we, if you win, we own you, and yeah. I was like, well, I yeah. probably don't have to worry about that. Like, they had one part that's like, "Hey, we're not responsible if you contract an
1: STD during filming." <laughs> I wonder how many times that had to happen before a lawyer went, "Fuck it, we've got to put this in the put goddamn it, contract." Put it now. in there,
0: yeah. Um, but the, uh, it's waiting in this tiny, tiny green room with 20 other comics to go on the stage at the Ricardo Montalban Theater. Wow. Which I didn't know he had <laughs> yeah, I didn't know that either. From John uh, Lovitz to Ricardo Montalban. Moving on up. Yeah. His They had his pec implants
1: framed on yeah, the yeah, wall. Yeah, all the, all the seats had rich Corinthian <laughs> leather, I bet. <laughs> uh, all right. I'm going to do something. I'm going to bring something back that I haven't done in uh, several episodes. I didn't get to the sad part. Oh, yeah. shit. All right, yeah. I mean, I bring just, me the ennui. Bring this, me the ennui. Is this, is this edit-
0: so then it, so then it airs so like, we'll get a beer. okay so then, should I keep talking so then it, so, then it um, so yeah so then it airs and you're like oh this is the TV experience you know like you're uh, you're uh, can you hear me okay like you know you're like are oh, you starting up you're like oh I'm gonna be on TV it's gonna be life-changing and then it airs and then and then it aired. I, I was going on a Tinder date when it aired, and I had to be like, "Hey, I gotta go. I gotta go watch this show I'm on." They asked me to live tweet it, and like I go, I live tweet this show, and then it's over. And like it's kind of like Dana Gould talked about it in his uh, speech at Just for Laughs. He's like, you know, you imagine this thing, and then you get this TV thing, and then you wake up the next day and you're like, "Oh, I feel the same." And it yeah. was kind of like it was like a carrot and stick situation, and I'd finally gotten the carrot. And, and it was like, oh, now there's just a, now there's just a stick. Yeah. So kind of like a year long kind of depression about the art of comedy kind of really.
1: So afterwards, you actually did kind of have, a, was it a come down or a disillusionment with?
0: Come down disillusionment because it was like you do this, you do this huge theater, and then you go back to like doing these bar gigs yeah, and, yeah. and shit, and it's just the like, dust
1: that you thought you had you had shaken off yourself yeah, has come you know, back to roost.
0: All the bridges I burnt, when I, was, I had to come back. <laughs> I don't believe I have to be with the and little people to, again. I had to. It was a hard. It was a hard process, but I found joy in the process again. It stopped being a goal. Like comedy stopped being goal driven for me, mm-hmm. because it was originally like, "Yo, I'm going to get on TV. I'm going to be famous." Well, then, because
1: that's what this. That's where the story started. You know, you're going to start working. You know, in television. Yeah. You did television.
0: Yeah. And it's like, oh, guess I got to start. Guess it, I guess it kind of made me realize, well, maybe I hate myself. Maybe i got to work on me as a person. And I started doing that.
1: We ended with ennui. Yeah. That's good. But because it was a day like today, that's how it should have. Yeah. Um, although I'm a little bit offended. I mean, usually the one, like the kryptonite to dive bar mitzvah as a concept is a loud jukebox because it's just horrible for an audio thing, as I'm sure you would imagine. Yeah. But I was kind of expecting and hoping. There'd be some loud prints in the background. Not the case.
0: There's one of those touch tune things
1: right yeah, there. But I mean, everybody's yeah. I'm kind of surprised by this. All right, Pat, I'm going to do something uh, that I ha- I kind of dropped off and I haven't been doing for a while. I'm going to do uh, something I like to call the James Lipton question. What I'm going to do is give you a number between one and ten. You okay. pick one, and then I give you the question that it corresponds with. So give me a number between one and ten. Six. Six. All right, six. <laughs> and all of these have, of course, been read on Inside the Actors Studio. Uh, featuring the host Mr. James Lipton you pick number six yes number six what sound or noise Patrick Sussmilch yes do you hate do I hate oh my
0: god I hate when people chew with their mouths open
1: is that a sound it's a sound it's like a so the visual part is fine it's the, the sound the visual
0: part is fine the sound just I can't do it I can't do it especially if people people chewing with gum with their mouths open go oh ahead like I just I can't even tell what's going on. I just like stare with like what the fuck, what the uh, yeah. fucking. I just like want to like reach in there, pull it out, and be like, "The fuck are you doing?" Like, unless you got like a sinus infection or something, there's no reason to have your mouth open while you're chewing things.
1: I I got by a large part of my life without ever noticing that, and then a day came, and I started noticing, and now it drives me fucking bad. It's in, uh, apparently c- for everybody other than myself because one time I yelled at somebody like, "Why are you the noisiest fucking eater eater ever?" Yeah, uh, and they're like. Are you fucking serious? Nobody, you, you cannot talk to me about this. And I'm just like, oh, <laughs> apparently they also have the problem and have been dealing with me. So i a that, loud eater. I guess I. I oh guess my I was. god, am I'm, I a loud eater? Uh, but now, I, but I've, I, I think I've kind of gone through therapy on it because now that I realized it was a problem, I started working on it myself, much to, much like we've talked about earlier. And, and now I think I'm better. I don't think I do it as much.
0: Now I'm worried that I'm a loud eater.
1: Yeah. Am I know. projecting? Could
0: uh, be. <laughs> well. I'm gonna have to go ask my girlfriend. Like, do I do I eat loud?
1: Yeah, you can tell me. I mean, it's cool. You this isn't a trap.
0: It's true. And then she's gonna say yes. And then I'm like, oh my god, I'm I've become what I
1: hate. Yeah. And then are you single at that point? Like, I mean, do you have to like go on like a like a vision quest, like a yeah, journey? I'd on your Yeah, I'd have own? to
0: like break up with her and be like, honey, I I I have to go work on me and then go get lost in the desert. Yep. Probably end up loudly
1: eat loudly eat peyote.
0: Yeah. Just get just cross country, just hitchhike. Yeah. They'll end up finding my body. In like an old van. You in thought you're going to be finding,
1: yeah. You thought you're going to be finding yourself, but in fact, no. People are going to be finding your body. Yeah. Okay. They're
0: going to write a book about it.
1: Patrick, thank you again for uh, being here yet again. Uh, we are at the the uh, Northeast Yacht Club here. Bring your yacht. Yeah. Uh, thank you for being here and yet again. Uh, new CD in stores right now. I don't know if it's in
0: stores, but it's on yeah, iTunes. Yeah, it's on iTunes. And
1: if you see him live or walking down the street, perhaps you'll have one on him, and you, and you can buy it off him. It's called Validate Me. It is on Stand Up Records, our friends at Stand Up Records. And uh, coincidentally enough, they're one of our sponsors. We like our booze like we like our comedies, Straight Up and Bitter. Check them out at StandUpRecords.com. Um, they have new albums by Mary Mack, Maggie Ferris, and Mr. Patrick Sussmelch. Yeah, look at that. I know that guy. I know. I, I You know what? I just met him. Cool dude. Got some self-doubt, but I think he's all right. I think we're going to get he through used this. used to
0: have self-doubt. Now yeah. I'm
1: crushing it 24-7. It's true. Uh, and something that helps me crush it 24-7 Our friends at Pabst Blue Ribbon. Add extra flair to those leisure time activities. Put Pabst Blue Ribbon in the picture. People of good taste naturally go for it. It's old-time beer flavor. Original Paps brewed as it was when it won the Blue Ribbon in 1893. So next time, put yourself in the picture and enjoy original Paps Blue Ribbon. Hold on. I
0: want a PBR so bad.
1: <sighs> this place smells delicious pizza now. <laughs> Is it pizza? It smells better than pizza. I don't know. Uh, yet again, anyway, and we're at the Northeast uh, Yacht Club, a place that has not kicked us out, and I would like to thank them very much. But, and our last sponsor, um, last but not least, most definitely our friends at FGC Creative, uh, and we are proud to help them celebrate their uh, one-year anniversary and to do so, they're going to be offering custom-printed T-shirts for the low, 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 low price of $2.99 each. That is right, $2.99 each. It is uh, their way of saying thank you for making FGC Creative's first year a success. All you got to do is go to uh, fgccreative.com slash dive bar. It is something. It is awesome. Yet again, two ninety-nine for shirts. It's pretty goddamn rad. So seriously, hop over there, do that. Tell them you heard about it all on Dive Bar Mitzvah. Patrick. Thank you again for being here today.
0: Thank you for having me.
1: And uh, now we, uh, this has been the high point of my day it's been a shitty day, but now it's over. Now i got to go back outside and face the, face the world in this post-Prince Age we live in, which is horrible to say. I can't do it. Can't either. Let's All right. keep living here. Yeah, you know what? Actually, this is the first of five episodes we're doing today. All right, everybody. Thanks for <laughs> listening. Uh, see you next week. Um, and I'm going to France at some point, so we might have an episode in the next couple of weeks from France. So stay tuned. We'll, we'll find out together they have dive bars in France? <laughs> they better. le <laughs> dive What is, what is, yeah, see, I don't know French. This is going to be, I'm going to be, it's going to be a horrible trip. Gonna I'm going to be like the worst American. ugly American because I, my poverty has always led me not to have to know how to speak foreign languages because the odds of me going were always...